Welcome to The Hive from Pollen VC, your destination for the latest thinking about mobile gaming, apps, and what you need to scale your business. And introducing Peggy Ann Sauls, founder of Mobile Groove, mobile analyst, tech consultant, and your host for today's show. Micro-influencers have massive reach and could be the marketing force of the future. So how do you harness that power to maximize reach and profit for your game with micro-influencers? My guest is Brandon Byrne, CEO of Opera Event. And this is where it really gets interesting because Opera Event is a platform for leveraging social media influencers I'm going to leave it to you, Brandon. Maybe it's best to explain what Opera Event does with a hypothetical example at this point. I think for lack of a better term, the best way to think about what Opera Event does is we are a sales force for influencer media. What we allow our customers to do is to to leverage uh, micro-influencers for their communities, for their content creation skills, and allow uh, companies to not only uh, engage in sort of campaign-based activity for uh, for marketing, but also f- to allow them to build something that becomes uh, recurring, that they can build, a, for lack of a better term, an earned media component as a part of that process. So what we do is we help them to build something sustainable, scalable, and ultimately leveraging the incredible engagement that influencers have, and particularly micro-influencers. But the real power here is you're aggregating that talent. You're aggregating influencers. How exactly are you doing that? Uh, we use a technology called OAuth, and you know, for everybody out there who's never heard of that before, OAuth is a, it, you know, starts to sound a little bit technical. But the truth is, most people have used it before. If you've ever been to a website that says log in with your Facebook or with your Google, uh, this is what OAuth essentially is. Our influencers auth through the teams that we have them work with. Uh, that gives us some semblance of control and the ability to manage their social media platforms and to sort of organize them uh, together because most influencers have several. You know, they'll use Twitter, they'll use YouTube, they'll use Twitch, uh, they'll use Instagram. And so the ability to coordinate all of those together becomes very powerful utilizing this OAuth model. It then goes into a dashboard and it allows the, the organization to manage those people programmatically, whether it's 10,000 influencers or whether it's 10. And I love that you put it this way, Brandon. I have to say, you know, sales force for social media. We get, we we know what that means intuitively. We understand it, but I want to I want to go a little deeper and understand what that means in how you deploy these this talent. So in our particular case, what we do is we'll set you up with a a dashboard. We'll allow for you to start to invite people into that platform. We can even help you to acquire those people. We have a a network of about 100,000 influencers, uh, primarily in in the gaming space. And so what we do is we're going to help you to attract that talent. And then typically it gets divided up into a couple of different segments. There are larger influencers that are great for branding because they're going to, you know, they'll make a splash on social media and and perhaps even in the press. And then the micro-influencers bring the performance piece of it because unlike a large influencer whose uh, channel often winds up becoming more of a, a, a monologue, uh, influencers have a dialogue. They don't have a, a television channel. They have a community where there's a, a back and forth, and there's a lot more engagement in those types. So, when asking yourself the question, you know, going to someone who has a million followers certainly will create a splash and give you some branding, make you more present on a platform. But if you go to a thousand influencers that have a hundred people in their channel, the engagement there is going to be you know, several, uh, you know, exponential factors greater than what you would get with that one influencer with the large audience. How do you determine if they are 
who they say they are. You know, that's a big question. You know, is, have they gamed the system or are they really what they say they are? And even beyond that, checking the fit, you know, brand safety concerns, bad actors. Maybe you can uh, give me a look into that under the hood, rather, in your dashboard. Show me how it really works. For sure. Yeah. So before I dive in and show you that, I think you bring up a really valid point. One of the biggest problems that, you know, traditional companies have engaging micro influencers is that in order to make it worth it, you have to engage in some cases, hundreds or thousands to, to get to that same size audience you would with a couple of the larger influencers. And the problem with that is that when you're engaging with all of those influencers, it's very difficult to make sure that, you know, you're not dealing with someone who say is a flat earther or, uh, you know, someone who uh, has uh, views that maybe may or may not be fine in, in some brands, but for other brands would be objectionable. Um, so in those particular cases, what we do is, first of all, all of the influencers that are on our platform have been monitored for a period of time. Like, hey, we, we understand what their metrics are. There aren't fake followers. Uh, we compare those to algorithms with all of the other influencers that are on our platform to make sure that there are no irregularities. Uh, other examples that our technology will do is it will look at things like up and down votes. So for example, a traditional you know video that isn't particularly controversial is going to have somewhere between you know one and three percent down votes to the upvotes that it has. When something gets twenty or twenty five percent upvotes, that's when you realize you've delved into something that's a lot more controversial, and that's where brands can start to have problems. This would be an example of a team that you might have in. This particular case, this team has 77 people on it, and they're you know somewhat large on Twitch. And what our technology is doing in real time is it's looking to see if their channel is in compliance with uh, the particular brand. And so flipping over to here, the, here's an example of kind of how we would do this. We have what we call our social sentiment check. And I'll just go ahead and pull up uh, you know, a, ra a relatively large influencer. Uh, his name is Sam Harris. And what we'll do is we'll compare him to what we call the naughty word list. And so when we run this, what happens is it's going to go out over Sam Harris's, you know, thousands of tweets, and it's going to pull down uh, all of the tweets that may or may not be objectionable. Now, this one here has the word white power in it. So we're going to go ahead and click on that. And it's going to bring us to the offending tweet and help us to understand whether or not this person was engaged in behavior that was objectionable to the brand. And when we go to the list, we can come up here. This is the naughty word list. We can edit this. And let's just go ahead and add a word to that. We'll say, we'll say, we'll add the word awesome. And instead of making it a one point word, we'll make it a thousand point word. And we'll add that, check to make sure it's in there. It is. And now it's saved. So now we can go back to, to Sam Harris again. And when we run the report, what we'll find is that instead of having 19 points scored against him, he will have now 1019 because it found the word awesome that I added in there. So what this does is it allows brands the ultimate flexibility to ultimately decide what they want to talk about and what they don't. In this particular case, you can click on this and we can actually see that the word awesome doesn't come from Sam Harris himself, but it actually comes from someone he retweeted. Interestingly enough, in, in the social media space, when people uh, want to get away with being toxic without you know, so much as tarnishing their brand specifically, they'll often retweet things that someone else has said that's objectionable. Our technology also takes that into consideration and makes sure that the brand understands how this person's behavior and persona is affecting their audience online. So we can also have a nice word list. So if mm -hmm. a, a customer uh, or, or that customer's fans, for example, uh, continually bring up the name of a brand or the name of a particular product, you can also find ways to reward those influencers and to reward that fan base for engaging in activity that the brand wants you to engage in. So there's a lot of opportunity here to customize 
process in a way that makes sense for your particular brand. Everyone somewhere has to make some money here, or at least some social currency that is super valuable. What is what happens here? So first of all, uh, there are some companies that want to be very hands-on with their uh, social media presence. And so oftentimes in those situations, what we'll do is we will provide them with their own dashboard and internally they run their own influencer marketing campaigns. We also have the ability to do it for them, in which case they're sort of an upcharge, but we're really more of a technology company than we are, uh, you know, uh, you know, an agency, right? Like we're, we're not really in the business of sort of organizing influencers and do these things. We have best practices and we know what works, mm -hmm. but uh, the, the first way that we make money is we're a SaaS product. You know, you can come and pay a certain amount of money per month to have access to our dashboard. We'll also give you access to our influencers. And then if you want to drive your own influencers to your point earlier, your brand likely has fans. Like help us, let us help you organize them into a way that will allow you to utilize that free media and earned media uh, in the future and then build upon it, right? So that's that's one way that we do it. Another way is that we found sort of, uh, you know, ways to, to do influencer media on rail. We had one of our customers come to us and say, hey, listen, you did this campaign for us uh, for Crystalborn. It was Machine Zone. It went great. We did this one month campaign. We got, you know, 4,100 installs or whatever the case may be. We really liked, you know, some of the, the influencers here. Is there a way we can do some videos for some of these? Uh, make them ads that we're putting on, you know, Vungle or Facebook or whatever. So we went ahead and generated those. And what we realized was that there was a lot of demand for that. And so it was this really unique uh, thing that happened because usually when you're, you're leveraging an influencer, you're doing it for their audience. In this particular case, they weren't doing it for their audience. They were leveraging the influencers for their content creation skills and then taking those ads and running them themselves someplace else. So mm -hmm. the applications for using our technology are really quite endless, but they start with that SaaS technology and then they filter into the other areas. I think it's important to understand not just what this looks like, but what it can do. Because at the end of the day, right, this is managing influencers programmatically. So just as a point of reference, because we're a technology, we're also an attribution company. So everything mm -hmm. we do, we are providing attribution for. So as an example, we'll start with Crystalborn. This was a one month campaign that we did and we went to a wide variety of influencers. And of the 4,100 uh, installs that we got as a part of this platform, a part of this campaign, uh, 3,500 of those came from the micro-influencer variety type. Uh, and that's an 85% uh, engagement. And again, this goes back to the conversation that we were having about uh, micro-influencers having communities and large influencers having sort of that monologue. It's more like a television show. Uh, when there's engagement, sometimes these people are playing games together. Uh, it, it's an opportunity for them to do it as a community. And, uh, and ultimately, we're seeing, uh, you know, engagement rates that are, you know, three to seven percent as opposed to a quarter or a half percent that you would see from a traditional type campaign. Another example <clears throat> would be a campaign that we ran. Uh, this was, you know, along the lines of what Eric did, where we made some videos for some customers. And I won't say the name of this customer, but you see here that there were four particular ads that were created. We created three ads to go up against one of the better ads that they had on a particular platform. And as you can see here, uh, the two of the three ads beat the existing creative that were there. And a lot of the reason why this is, is because as we move into influencer media becoming so prevalent, if you're on Snapchat, if you're on TikTok, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Instagram or Twitter and you're advertising there, it just makes sense to have influencers in your campaign because when you're, you know, TikTok is a short form influencer content created, you know, platform, why wouldn't the ads be that way as well to create a more native feel? Everybody.
wants to get in on this. You know, games companies, they know about influencer marketing. <laughs> they know they need to approach it. They might not have the manpower, the resources, even the patience at this point in time to do it because it can be heavy lifting. You know, to your point, do you want to make deals with all the different individuals? Do you want to go through their agencies? There's a markup when you do that sort of thing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, now you said you you see this from the inside out and you have best practices and tips to offer. I'd love to hear exactly that. Give me a couple of these shortcuts because one is, of course, I can go to you and you say, and say, okay, Opera Event, do you play the agency role? Right. But you probably have some ideas around how can I do this as a games company, as a publisher, but still benefit from the platform. Yeah. So I, I think there's a couple of tips that I'll that I'll offer. So first of all, what I would encourage companies to do is is really consider getting hands on here. Um, it's one thing to say, okay, we normally use an agency and let's go get them to do these things. Uh, at the end of the day, earned media, it, it might not even be influencers. It might even be like the employees at your company who who join these programs and, and want to be advocates for uh, what your company is creating. Um, And so being hands-on and rewarding that community in real time and making sure that, uh, you know, the, 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 the outreach that's happening is, is in line with what your brand wants is critical. The other issue that I would say that I think a lot of brands make the mistake of is they, they take their brand a bit too seriously Uh, online, on television, on radio, like, you know, it's all about, you know, oh, this brand is so great. The truth is, is that in influencer media, you know, Oftentimes, you know, there's no such thing as, as bad press, right? The example that I'll use that I think is really, really great and cheeky is um, if you ever watched The Daily Show before Jon Stewart retired, he used to have a little segment that he did uh, where he made fun of Arby's a little bit, right? He'd say, Arby's, you know, it's, uh, it's like gridlock for your colon. Right. And so it was a little bit like insulting them, but at the same time, it was this tremendously, you know, you know, brand raising, you know, awareness raising type uh, opportunity for them. And so I think learning to not take yourself as seriously is really, really uh, important as a part of that process. Listening to the influencers, hey, here's how we should market and Mm -hmm. not taking yourself seriously can go a long way. You're giving me the possibility to understand and calculate here. Uh, potentially better calculate some KPIs, maybe even the all-important LTV. Can you give me an idea of what I can do now in my performance marketing, in my LTV calculations, because I understand what the influencer is bringing to the table? I, I think that when it comes to LTV, it's really about creating the right incentives, right? If you have an influencer in the game, and let's say the influencer is streaming the game so that people can see it. If it's a multiplayer game, the influencer allowing people to download it straight from their platform and then jump into the game with them is going to start to get people engaging in this. And remember that these are fans of that particular influencer. They're going to want to be on that person's radar. And so, you know, buying the best gear and being able to help that influencer achieve its goals or whether, you know, whether or not it's, you know, they're going to go and raid something together and, you know, take on the kingdom that's next door. Hey guys, we really need to get 30 people in here. The LTV is really about setting the right incentives so that you get the influencers and through them, the audience to engage in the behaviors you want. One of the things that I'll, I'll, I'll be frank when it comes to, to talking to our customers is like, Hey, look, like I can't, make your game better, right? Like that's not what we do. What we do is we give everybody the opportunity to expose their audience base to all of the parts of their game that they think are really good. Whatever it is about your game that you think is sticky, what we will do is we will create an incentive to get the influencer and the audience there so that they can get the best of your game. 
And then from there, it, it, it's really up to you. Like we, you know, it's your game. But but what we're going to do is we're going to give you the not only the, a bite at the apple, we're going to give you several, and we're going to give the the audience the best bite according to what your rules are. We talk about the ad creative and how to optimize the ad creative, and now we have another aspect of that, which is, you know, having the right ambassador, for lack of a better word, right? And also yep. experimenting to figure out, as you said, you know, which ambassador is the fit with the, which game and, and how to mix that up. I guess it gives another aspect of it to, uh, to keep it fresh and uh, to keep ahead of the competition. Yeah, I think that's true. And the one thing about that particular, you know, we know that Apple is sort of implementing this thing. The, the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is that Android isn't right? Like there's still this entire mm -hmm. side. And when we look at our audience, which is across a hundred thousand influencers, I think our numbers were, you know, 65, 35, you know, Android to Apple. And so I, so while there is this change that's happening on the Apple platform, I actually look at this as a huge opportunity for, for the Android platform uh, to not only take a step forward, but also to develop that. That It's not that that audience won't spend. It's that, that they, they, they're they hardcore gamers. They want to be more engaged with influencers. They want to be more engaged with the brand. And so it's it's an opportunity for those, those particular brands that are advertising to evolve and be able to capture uh, that particular audience and and accelerate them to where Apple was. So I, on one hand, like you get that like oh there's this you know this big you know technology change that's going to be happening on whatever half of the you know half of the entire mobile network, but at the same time there's this other one that exists that I think is going to create a lot of opportunity. That's a great segue. I couldn't hope for it actually better, Brandon, because I was going to end with exactly that, the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, it's almost to the point where it's moved past opportunity and it's moved into almost requirement, right? Like if you're trying to get millennials, like good luck getting them on television or radio, right? Like it's just, it's not going to happen. You need to you need to get into social. You need to get into influencer marketing, um, you know, and whether that's, you know, this can be Facebook, but this can also be, you know, YouTube or TikTok or Snap or, even the the SDK is like a bungle or an ad colony. There's a lot of opportunities to to capture this audience and not starting that process. Actually, I would say anybody who hasn't started it a year or two ago is is probably really behind the times. And it, it, the, the, I think this is less about opportunity and more. It's just time to understand that media is evolving, and pretty soon, you know, even the stuff that we watch on television now doesn't have ads, right? We're on Netflix, we're on Hulu, we're on HBO Go. So I think if you want to stay in touch and stay relevant to these audiences that are in the demo, you're going to have to find a way to engage with influencers one way or the other. So the best way to do that is try to do it programmatically and try to do it in a way that's safe for your brand. Absolutely. You said in touch. How would people stay in touch with you, Brandon? They want to continue this conversation? Yeah. Uh, so they can reach me at my email, which is brandon at operaevent.co. They can also find me on uh, on Twitter or on LinkedIn. Uh, both of those are easy ways to get a hold of me. And uh, yeah, happy to engage in a conversation. Stay up to date with our show schedule by signing up for alerts at pollen.vc. That's where you'll also find our suite of financial modeling tools to help you plan and manage your business growth.